As you wish, sir. <laughs> this is the Villagers podcast. We release two episodes a week, hopefully, depending yes. on schedules. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Best comment yeah. I ever saw on one of our YouTube videos was where some guy said, these guys sound like the carpenters, not the band, just a couple of random workmen. I was like, <laughs> can I please meet you in person? <laughs> you are my hero. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was an awesome compliment and cut down all of this. <laughs> he needs to tour with us, bro. He needs to tour. <laughs> Why do you think Formula One doesn't matter over here? I think you guys are already preoccupied with that <laughs> with NASCAR, at least the <laughs> resumed viewership right. that are interested in traffic. Tell you know what traffic. I would. Okay, have we ever talked about what NASCAR is and what it started as? Is it the nice car thing that you told me? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for people that don't know, it's NASCAR. It's not NASCAR. <laughs> um, from back in in moonshine days, you know. Mm. Um, America's pendulum swings back and forth. I don't know. What do you figure? Every 75 years? Yeah. Sort of the cycle. From re yeah. Restricting everything to then freeing everything up. We're uh, Our governor's trying to free up sports betting now. And I'm like, so we got weed. We got alcohol anytime you want it. And now mm -hmm. we're doing sports betting. Where do you go after that? So we have, we, but you know what I like though? These are things that people do and quit putting them in jail for it. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying to make believe because you're a specific religion that you're not going to do these things is against human nature. Down. Oh, well. So explain to me, Formula One, they're really beautiful cars. I'm going to grant you that. Mm -hmm. And they drive really fast. But it's still just cars going around in a circle. I know. So they, they expect to have like the biggest viewership in the US ever because mm. of shutting down the streets in Vegas and having a nighttime street race, which is what yeah. this coming weekend is going to be. Right. And they think that the US market, similar to uh, what soccer is doing with the MLS, right. they both yeah. are trying to gain the attention because they know that US sports fans are per capita the best sports fans that any franchise or any league can have. Because you guys right. will buy jerseys, you guys will dress up and sit in front of a TV, even at your own house, that kind of shit. Right. That the guy wearing yeah. a Hamilton t-shirt across the world, but right. <laughs> ignore me. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody wants a worldwide sport for the, mm -hmm. you know, 500 people in that sport. I just, I just look at that and go, the basis of NASCAR is rural America. And mm -hmm. so that's what you're up against. City yeah. people, okay, yeah, we would go to a Formula One race, but we'd be the ones drinking champagne over by the booth. <laughs> We're not do, actually interested in the car. <laughs> do you know, there's a friend of mine who, during the lockdown, sent me a video of Lewis Hamilton showing us how to wash our hands in a sink. And he was, he sent me that clip and he was like, this is more interesting than the shit you keep telling me to watch, <laughs> which was Formula One. <laughs> I don't have anything against it. I, I'm like anti-monarchy, and that just seems to be a deal that just reeks of the uber rich, mm. and then we're paying a hundred million for our roads so they could race on them. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm, Hamilton. I'm, I'm the guy that. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Now Hamilton was like the poorest black family on the, in the UK when he started racing. 
where the rest yeah. just thought that these guys were mechanics for some other crew. Oh yeah, wow. That is his wow. background, which is why I Okay, like... that's <laughs> now I like him. No, I <laughs> I don't know. I literally don't know anything about it or and I don't know anything about the sport. I just it's it's what I always believe and I and I believe this. I have no factual basis, but it seems to me most of the people at NASCAR it's like a fashion show mm-hmm. for for rural folks, for lack of a better word. And I'm not saying rural folks, even folks that came rural and ended up in cities, but it's a fashion show for them. It's a, it's a, it's like boxing was 50 years ago. Um, and, and then everybody else is just waiting to see the wreck. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, <laughs> like 90% of the time, Sean, when I'm watching the start of a formula one race, I'm basically betting on who's going to crash into who before the right. first turn. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's astounding with million dollar cars, but oh well, okay, hey Hamilton. But you know, if you're somewhere else that's more theater inclined, just go. It's the musical. Yeah, <laughs> it, it goes a long way now. It goes a long way. What are we talking about today, other than uh, cars racing in in places that don't generally happen in America? Okay, you know why they're racing in Vegas? So Vegas mm-hmm. doesn't really have any rain, so it's a flat area. That mm-hmm. is a solid place to do it, and you go out into the desert and come back. I mean, that's that's doable. Yeah, I can see that one. But doing it in New York or Miami, you know, they were Oklahoma was like, oh, yeah, we could do it here. And everybody's like, don't we already have that on Lake Hefner every weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Ours is. is, Oh, yeah. Ours is uniquely designed for it. I mean, it really is. Um, But there's just no interest. You know, we like Mm -hmm. we like football. We like football. And the Thunder are going to prove or disprove our interest in investing in some wealthy person's business on December 12th or 14th, whichever one it is. Yeah. We got to buy on the stadium. (laughs) The first time someone saw me in this uh, hoodie in Oklahoma, they they thought, what is this liberal Hamilton supporting asshole doing here till they realized that was, it's a racing driver and not a play. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it tells you everybody's background. Whatever they ask you about, it tells you an awful lot about somebody. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let me tell you my nightmare of life these days. So when I walk my dog every morning, for those of you who don't know, I get up and I do yoga every morning for about 40 minutes, and then I walk my dog, and then I come down here and get bread in the oven, and I do either a podcast or or I clean the bathrooms, which of the two, podcast is easier. Um, <laughs> so I've gotten on to a, some cancer podcast and if you want to depress yourself about being 60 that's mm-hmm. the place to go oh my god dude i'm i'm evidently prostate cancer is much more serious than i've ever thought <laughs> i didn't know anything about it. i'm embarrassed to say i didn't know anything about it four mm-hmm. or five podcasts into it i don't want to know any more about it <laughs> can i tell you i can't listen to stuff like that that is like real life for some reason yeah Watching TV or any screen is a form of escapism. I don't want to be fumbled with reality even there. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love the amount of information. And what I, what I really learned from that stuff is I do have the ability to understand it if it's explained to me in a specific way. And I think when I was younger, um, I mean, it just my generation, doctors didn't really explain stuff to you. They just told you what to go do. And then yeah. you, you know, did or didn't do it and they didn't care either way <laughs> you paid for their advice as a mechanic that and then and they moved on 
And uh, so I, I enjoy I enjoy that part of it. But man, dude, that sets some fear in a brother that's 60 years old. <laughs> have, have you done any of those tests where it tells you whether you are genetically prone to have some sort of disease in the family? Yeah, just so you know, our family doesn't need to take those tests because it's it's alcoholism. It's the one that kills people in our family. It's not it's it's not cancer or any of that other bullshit. Terrible decisions while doing an alcoholic episode. I can tell you how most of our family members are gonna die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've met a few of them. Oh yeah. But we we either drink or don't drink in our family. And those of us that don't. Um, need to look at this other stuff because no one else is. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. And I hope none of my cousins are listening into this one because they'll be mad at me. So I had a cousin of mine in Ireland that was so alcoholic towards the end of his life that he wore a diaper and just stayed in bed and his wife would just give him a bottle or two bottles a day until he died. <clears throat> I mean, we just have a, we have a different view of it. If you're that alcoholic, there's no reason for me to argue with you every day. There's no reason to plead. This is mm-hmm. just where we are. Um, and you know, then he died and they inherited a lot of money. Yeah. I know. Sucks. That, is- you just sit there and go, that's kind of cruel. And you go, not really. You Way know, to I keep mean, it light on a Monday afternoon for me. I, hey, you were the one that said family issues. But those are so um, on my mom's side. Um, the men have a high risk of heart attack at 45. So once you get to 50, that's over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the other genetic markers where you said, do you really want to know that shit and be worried about that the rest of your life? I wouldn't. I find bliss yeah. and ignorance more times than not. <laughs> I I am I am agreeing with that these days. And I just think, Hey man, just roll through and have some fun while you're here. You're gonna die of something, and it's going to be ugly. Look at look at how we come into the world. We split somebody's body in half and popped yeah. out, and then we treat her poorly later in life. <laughs> some of us don't, Sean. <laughs> Good for you. Good. I didn't. I did not treat my mom poorly. My mom was a professional actress. She could cry on a dime. And if you want to shut a mean teenage boy up, start crying. And it works every goddamn time. She was brilliant. She knew how to Uh deal with the old dumbass. Oh, God, yeah. I was such an ass. And she would literally just stare at me. And you know what she was really thinking? Oh, I'll show you, you little asshole. And drop a tear down. And I'd be like, I'm so sorry, Mom. (laughs) Probably when my dad came home, she's got, I got that little ass again. (laughs) (laughs) Give? Yeah. Crazy town. All right. Light subject matter today. What's our light subject matter? I have some very nice bread going in. I made Mm -hmm. risotto twice yesterday so I could get my commercial recipe down. Do I like risotto enough to eat twice? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. (laughs) I really like that. It's cold weather, so it fits, but you know. If I'm Irish, so if it was risotto or mashed potatoes, guess which one I would eat? Mashed potato. Exactly. Just love that <laughs> shit. I don't know what the deal is. Just love that shit. What? See, hey, stereotypes what? are fucked up. That one's on point. <laughs> <laughs> His family has some bad alcoholics and he likes potatoes. What country could this asshole be from? 
Hey, um, when you were in England, did you ever eat um, like a chicken and mushroom pie? I've, I've had steak and kidney pie, which mm-hmm. I was unimpressed with. But um, so I'm, I'm looking at doing a chicken and mushroom. And that one looks pretty valid. But I think I'm going to do the pot pie version, like a fold over, you know, yeah. uh, like we do a meat pie rather than do the whole pie. Um, I actually like, like it, Tim. No? I really like it, Tim. Especially like some of the pubs used to do it with uh, what they called curry spice inside the. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't yeah. embarrass yourself. <laughs> and they would be like, "Yeah, you need to try it. It's really spicy." And I'll eat the whole thing, and I'll be like, "Yep." <laughs> Toward the end, it really kicks in. Yeah, <laughs> now uh, my chef. That's he's from Mexico, and it's whenever he makes. Um, like mulligatawny soup and Indian soup. Um, I'm like, okay, we we know better. This isn't what curry is anymore. Like, we're like, can I can I give you a recipe? Because no, everybody loves it. And I go, no, but I'm embarrassed to serve it. That's that's the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, once once you and, and kudos to your sister because she was one that taught me all this stuff. Once you actually learn what really goes into that. What we have thought goes into it has been shockingly wrong. But I would say the same thing for my mother with spaghetti sauce. She did tomato paste and water. That was it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is my polite way of not saying yuck. <laughs> right. That's why not too many people were there. On, but my dad loved it. You know, he didn't know any better. He was from Ireland. <laughs> no Parmesan cheese. He's no meatballs, no sausage, no anything. It's just tomato paste and water, for God's sakes. <clears throat> Lordy. See, I, was, I was telling my sister that she's a way better teacher, especially when she used to go to the grocery store, the Indian store with you. How mm-hmm. she would explain things, whereas oh, I would just rather walk than past you, and, I would just walk past and be like, "Read the fucking label. Why do you keep <laughs> asking me?" <laughs> it's in some language I don't understand. <laughs> okay, let me give you a perfect example: mm-hmm. amateur powder, which is mango powder. Yeah, is probably the best citric acid I've ever seen in my entire life, other than the fact that it's kind of brown. Mm-hmm. Okay, amateur, A M C U R. So my daughter writes me a text the other day and she goes, hey, this doctor I work with wanted to know when you go to the Indian store, if you'd get him a package of Amtra powder. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm trying to remember what it is because I've, you know, mm-hmm. I've used it a bunch. And, and uh, I get over there and I look and I go, oh God, it's mango powder. Why they don't have that on the label is beyond me. But mm-hmm. so I, I take a picture of it and send it to her and <clears throat> she writes me back and she goes, the doctor said that's a really big package. And I go, yeah, that's what they have. It's the Indian store. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was impressed that this American doctor's trying to learn how to do it. Because I I just think, I think from a flavored food point, you know, Americans love Chinese food because there's a lot of salt and shit in it. They love Mexican food because it comes with free salsa and chips, which it does not in Mexico. <laughs> there's the most ironic thing in the entire world. But I would hesitate to say most Americans have not had an abundance of Indian food. We just go up to the buffet and try a little bit of everything, and we can't remember what the names are. The best thing that ever happens to me is when people in Oklahoma go to an Indian restaurant, and they send me a picture of their food and a Taj Mahal (laughs) beer next to it. They're like, "Miss, miss you, and I'm like... Miss you too, but you do know that that beer is not even available in India, right? <laughs> they just right. put that in white beer. <laughs> no shit, is it a British beer? 
Taj Mahal is basically it. our export beer, Sean. It's not sold in the oh, country. Right. They just send it there because it's an easy marketing thing to say it's an Indian beer. Whoa. What else to do yeah. than call it Taj Mahal? <laughs> right. Well, I got to tell you, any movie that was ever put out that was an Irish movie, my dad saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, that was a, it was a guarantee that, that that would get him to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we should have some uh, like Diana's kid was in here cooking yesterday while she was doing some construction stuff and uh, and he thought he'd burn some stuff and I go no that's actually the way you're supposed to do it and I taste it and see if it's burned and he goes oh no it's not and I go right you're, you're making assumptions here I go but clean your mess up in this kitchen <laughs> that's my big worry I, I wanted to congratulate him for making something but woo, I said why don't you come in and work with our cooks and just learn how to do this but I, I think he, like a lot of kids, don't want to be scolded on anything. And these guys wouldn't do that. But, you know, yeah, they, they, they do take their jobs pretty serious. So mm-hmm. that's crazy, man. So business is good over here. All the other stuff is good. And uh, um, we're getting into winter, man. I don't know. What are you guys in over there right now? Because you didn't really have monsoon this year. Yeah, it technically is like heading into winter, though. I don't know why the day temperatures are like... 81, 82, and at the nights it's like wow. 63, which is technically oh, wow. summer. Mm-hmm. That'd be summer for us. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. Did you hear that? That was my bread coming out of the oven. Not <laughs> the right way. <laughs> okay, so so we have to use a towel. I don't care what restaurant it is that you're in. You have mm-hmm. to use a towel on your stove to uh, make sure the door stays sealed right there. Do you see that? Yeah. Because after 10,000 openings, it just gets lightly loose. So everybody uses, and they're walking in, they're like, is that dirty? And you go, no, it's keeping the door shut. Just regular wear and tear. <laughs> yeah, nothing you can do about that one. Lordy. Yeah. All right, let me go over, let me go over another thing for you. So the state of Arizona um, did the school voucher program because you asked me, are Oklahoma schools free? <clears throat> so... In less than five years, the program cost over a billion dollars. Now, here's where things get weird. So I don't know if you want to cut this out and put this at the beginning of the program. Yeah. So in Arizona, in rural areas, people are converting houses to schools because they're profitable. And if you can get yeah. 15 or 20 students in there, you can make $100,000 a year out of your house but they don't have to be um, qualified educators because even here, we got rid of those rules years ago because we were having a t- hard time getting people. I actually, I actually was scamming this with someone else and I told them that I'll just teach English. We'll get 20 students, we'll be good. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, believe it or not, like from your perspective, Americans getting ready to go over to England need to understand the difference between BBC English Cockney English, you know, not mm-hmm. the not the TV version, but how people really speak before yeah. you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, they've watched Downton Abbey and they think everyone's going to speak that way. Uh-oh. And no one does. Right. And there no are one times does. where I walked up to people <laughs> who are born and raised in the UK and just stood there and been like, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would put the Scots even further up on that deal, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 I, I think there's something in the future for that with the opening of people going back and forth. But but back to the school thing. So mm-hmm. we have opened ourselves up to 
religious schools especially. So if you, Church of Maranatha, if they've got a spare room, you know, and their and people want to do it, you can have an $8 an hour teacher and you can make $7,500 per kid. Yeah. Do you see an opening here? Do you see an opening? I know. Right. I mean, there's this, this is a, I mean, I own a restaurant and I could make a lot more off of school than, um, than food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> education is like the best business ever because there are so many for-profit colleges schools nowadays yeah you are selling a product where you really don't have to guarantee a return or that it works right. correctly yeah and it's amazing mm-hmm. oh well so where do we go with an uneducated population in 20 years i mean is it really any worse because the people who care about education went to the right places anyway but i think what you lose is that kid with the chip on his shoulder that ends up becoming steve jobs Mm -hmm. yeah you know that kid's got to be exposed to the right stuff to put it all together at the right time and make something out of it and man i don't i just i wish these i wish these political hacks understood that kind of shit a little better but you know, if you're an entrepreneur, the last thing you're going into is politics. I'd be the only idiot who does who does that. But <laughs> <laughs> there is this guy that I've uh, that I've been working with for the past month, yeah. who's an entrepreneur here, who's starting a company right. that's basically has to go up against like some of the biggest technology companies in the world. Oh wow! And I was asking Man. him about his background in education and stuff, and he's ba- he's done his masters in the UK. And then came back right. to India and saw this problem that he thought he could solve. But right. it was that exposure that led him to believe that he could do it on his own. Right. He started off with it. Too. Right. Like he's been doing it for like a year and I just came on board recently. Good. So the question is, is how do you find that person and incub- incubate that feeling? Because yeah. I'll be honest with you. I always tested off the charts, but I was basically almost always failing out of school because I just refused to do homework. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing homework now and I own the thing. I still don't <laughs> like doing it. Um, but undoubtedly, I, I think there is, there, and someone would pay for it, is to figure out what the keys are of people with an entrepreneurial mentality. Because Look, if you have money, you just invest it in companies that are already there. You got to have somebody that that literally is like crazy enough to go. No, nah, I think I, I think I could go up against Google. I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, and but, and do it and stay with it. Yeah, there is another part to this component where you need to also find investors when you're raising capital who right. are willing to risk not putting it in the markets like the stock market yeah. or just investing in a product but investing in a new idea because there are times where we have to raise money based on a single slide because we don't even know how it's going to be built yet yeah. <laughs> that's okay that's fair so what i would what i would throw into that whole thing though is when i was doing my first restaurant i had this guy and back then you know five thousand dollars would be what twelve or fifteen thousand now I would not invest twelve or fifteen thousand into a twenty-one year old kid, because like yeah. your one slide thing, I thought I knew what I was doing, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I had to learn as I went. And he said, "I want to guarantee being able to invest in every other restaurant of yours. This isn't about this one." And that 
that resonates still to this day of he just saw potential and, you know, maybe he loses that, you know, five grand, but the next five makes him a hundred thousand, you know, something along those lines. And, And I think there's some validity to that, but that chance investment that you're talking about, all you got to do is get scammed once and then you never invest like that again. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the concern. That's the, yeah. That's yeah, a pain and, in the ass. Right. I mean, look at, look at the Donald. He got mm-hmm. a lot of people to buy into shit and then just burned them all. And he'd be like, well, finance is a hard industry. And you go, ah, no, 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 no. I mean, they want a return on investment like everybody else. You yeah. just lied to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you get around that one. Cause your guys are stuff all the money's up front and then you have a display model mm-hmm. and then you go, well, we got to tweak that now too, because you know, it's up and running. We found out what we didn't, what was wrong. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's, that's tough. Restaurants. Everybody wants to own one until they own one. Oh yeah. You know, the, the joke is how do you become a millionaire in the restaurant business? And they go, how? And you go start with 5 million. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's really not true with with restaurateurs that are really experienced. Rarely go under. Yeah, you know it's it's the new guy. So yeah, I've I don't seen, know. I've do you need an you angel like, fund for that? So <clears throat> Sorry, we basically do look at angel investors. But the nice part about it's a high risk investment, right? What we ends up happening is it's people who are around my our age, like my age, yeah. that are the investors now. Back when I oh, started. Nice. You would see like all my investors were in their late 60s. They were right. about 50 at least. That is how right. it started like in 2012. Whereas now oh. I'll run into people who are my age who want to invest and do things, which is cool in one extent of yeah. it. But the main problem I end up with is expectation setting because they think that they're going to be the next billionaire after yeah. this little investment. Right. And I'm like, dude, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I've done this for years. Yeah. It's like any other investment. Let's, <laughs> let's make money first. And then we decide how much money mm-hmm. I am in the, in the process of going through, cause I, I had to take over my wife's restaurant and we're doing all of the food cost stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting um, the internal fight you end up with over stuff. Well, this is the way we've done it. And you go, that does not mean it's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but we're going to try it three ways and see which way works. And I, that, that is always a struggle. And, and that's a matter of <clears throat> trying to explain to people that money is made by one, two, and 3% at a time. It's not mm-hmm. made 20% or 30 or 40. It's just yeah. being smart. Yeah. So the problem is, Sean, the news media and even newspapers and business articles, they cover only the ones that make that 20 right at the start. Right. So everybody yeah. gets into these things with that stupid mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And the reality is, if you can make 8% on your money a year, you've done well. Yeah. And and the other the other thing I would say, as a 60-year-old person, okay, here's a here's a weird one for you. Here in the businesses that I own, I am going to be able to set two people up to be mm-hmm. successful in a way that they would never be able to do on their own because mm-hmm. I'm moving out of the business. Why not bring somebody along? I mean, yeah. literally, why not bring somebody along? And will it work? Hell, I don't know. You know, they're well-trained. They've got all the talent in the world, but who who the hell saw COVID coming? Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> 
at the end of COVID, you're like, well, I'm happy I'm still alive, I think. And mm-hmm. my business is still open. So we're, we're you know, got two things. Yeah, it's, um, I wish more old dudes would consider that. But, but I'll give you an example. My dad had a, so my dad had a small tile setting company, four employees, nothing, nothing major. Yeah. But when he got to retirement age, he really only had one or two employees left. And he quite frankly, didn't think either one of them had enough talent to use his name. Right. Oh, wow. So he just, okay. he just closed his company instead of giving it to him or passing it on no. or selling it to somebody. Cause he had a pretty solid client list. He just closed it. And you go yeah. that from an immigrant dude, come on, man, throw a bone to another immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know there are so many times where I have tried training people to like yeah. take over, especially like when I travel for long periods of time away from clients and stuff, I want someone there right. who would be able to run it. Uh, oh God. Never. Yeah. What we, what you and I see, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine was complaining about somebody that worked for me a few years ago. And I said, you know what the deal is? And he goes, what? And he goes, I said, you're rude to her. And she doesn't have to be polite back, but she has to be polite enough back not to get fired. I go, mm-hmm. but she shows up every day, does her stuff every day, and there's no money missing. Yeah. That's maybe as good as it gets right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you want them to make decisions you make, but your money's on the line and their money's not on the line. Yeah, true. They're never going to make the same decision if they're spending your money. Now, if, mm. if they stand to lose their home or car or something in three months, they'll make a different decision. Do you know, tell, don't tell Kyle about this, and I hope he never listens to yeah. it. He actually right. had the aptitude to gauge risk well. It was oh, God, something yeah. that yeah. I always knew about him. Like, he knew the, I don't know, maybe it was the education and the way hanging around you. The weird yeah. part was, though, I, like, we're not that much apart in age he has right. always referred to me as my father's friend to his friends and i'd be like dude i'm like five years older than you would you shut up and stop saying that's my father's friend that's awesome <laughs> so when i raised him i i um invariably gave business lessons all the time mm-hmm. and i still send him what i do is i send him videos from all over the world on how people do construction with no money yep and because I want them to learn that you just got to get it done. I, nobody, nobody really cares the process. And are most of them an OSHA violation? Yes. Oh, but sure. in other countries, <laughs> that's how shit gets done. Down the <laughs> street, down the street, they were doing the uh, the roof of the house. So here, right. most of the houses in India are all built with concrete and brick. So all our right. roofs are also concrete. Concrete. So these guys had one handheld machine to mix the concrete on the right. like on the side of the street. Right. And it was the third floor. So one dude on each floor, mm-hmm. two people down, fills in a little tub type thing. One guy throws it to the first floor, one guy throws right. it to the next floor, and right. that guy just pulls it and drops it back yeah. on Drop. a pile of sand. Right. <laughs> right. So the other thing I would have been impressed with there, if they had enough room, is to make a teeter-totter. Where, mm-hmm. you know, you know what a teeter-totter is? So the one guy's on one side, and he lets the board go up. You drop a cement on the other side, and they grab it, they pull it up, and it goes, 
so that way you're not throwing it hurting your shoulder and it wouldn't cost yeah. you any money. It's, you know, two by fours. And the only reason I know that is because I've seen people do it in videos. And uh, <laughs> there was a guy that climbed steel beams by making a deal that had two pieces of steel that would like a, like a, like a tree climbing thing. And it was, it was brilliant, but we just don't do stuff like that here. I mean, we just, we just really don't. So I, I just always do it to keep his eye open to it. And uh, the, look, the biggest lesson in business that I think I've ever taught that kid, it is not um, how you sell your stuff. It's how you buy your stuff that makes your money. It, mm -hmm. It's the stuff nobody sees because anybody can sell if something's pretty enough and you're willing to work hard enough. But that's not where the manufacturer, I mean, where the, where the actual real dollars are made. That's the short-term dollars. Long-term yeah. dollars are in manufacturing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a, but I, I tell you, you guys, half of the videos I send them are from your country or Pakistan, <laughs> one or the other. I mean, you guys do some crazy shit <laughs> that's hilarious to me, but it works. It's fun, is all hanging out at, it's fun hanging out at job sites. Yeah. <laughs> there are no, no rules, Sean. <laughs> Except well, I was very confused I, as to what the hell is this asshole doing here? <laughs> yeah. Why is the guy with the weird accent here? Mm -hmm. Wow. I was in Mexico when I was in my early 20s, and I had worked union jobs here, which pay incredible money. Um, and there were 20 guys with shovels digging a ditch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wouldn't that be cheaper to just get a backhoe and dig that? And they go, no, no, the people are cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, okay. And they said, by the way, we need everybody to work. And I was like, that's the real answer. You know, yeah. what, do, what do you do? I mean, innovation's great, but humans need to have something to do. No, for sure. Crazy town. <laughs> Crazy town. As you wish, sir. <laughs> this is the Villagers podcast. We release two episodes a week. Hopefully, depending on schedules, <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> I want to tell you, Sean, before I get off, the best comment yep. I ever saw on one of our YouTube videos was where some guy said, these guys sound like the carpenters, not the band, just a couple of random workmen. I was like, <laughs> can I please meet you in person? <laughs> you are my hero. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was an awesome compliment and cut down all at the same time. <laughs> He needs to tour with us, bro. He needs to tour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, my friend.